Well, aloha from Maui, Hawaii. Happy Mother's Day, by the way, for those of you listening live. It's May 10th, 2009. And whether you're listening live by telephone or live on the Internet, on the web, or uh, maybe to a replay from some point in the future, in any event, welcome to our Mystery School class for today. Our theme for the day today is the seven rays, or the seven spirits, the seven spirits before the throne. Uh, for those of you who have a Christian upbringing, and again, we talk about, at various times, all religious traditions and are rather, how shall I say, comparative and inclusive in our approach to religion, but also spirituality and mysticism standing above religion. And that's really the field that this comes out of. Although the phrase, the seven spirits, or the seven spirits before the throne, is mentioned in the Christian Gospel of Revelation on four different occasions. Um, Christians don't usually discuss it. There is a battle among Christians, uh, and Catholics for that matter, about the Trinity and what it means for divinity to express as a trinity. And there are the Unitarians versus the Trinitarians, and that battle, I suppose, will go on forevermore. But, as I said in the newsletter that went out this week, all religions have their trinities, and all spiritual traditions have their trinities. And yet we have these references in Revelation, in the Christian Gospel, to the seven spirits before the throne. And the seven spirits, or the seven energy, spiritual rays, or frequencies, or streams of consciousness, come up a lot in various mystical and occult traditions. The number seven, of course, is a number that's closely related to three, in that three has a middle point. It has the peripheries, the above and the below, but it also has a middle. It has a heart. It has a soul in the center, and thus the number three, or the sacred triangle, or sometimes called the causative triangle, or the triangle of causation. Very important number, very important shape. You know, a three-legged stool never rocks. A tripod. If you had one or two legs uh, on a chair or a table, it would be inherently unstable. If it had four or more legs, they'd all have to be the same length to be stable. But something about the number three, it just doesn't matter. Each leg could be a different length, and that tripod or that three-legged stool is going to be, by its nature, very, very stable, the ultimate instability, regardless of whether the legs match. And this baffled the ancient uh, mathematicians and uh, others who were attempting to figure out the universe and define the universe. And so this is the, the puzzle that Pythagoras contemplated when he came up with his now known Pythagorean theorem and playing around with the triangle and uh, 
his famous formula of the sum of the square of the sides equals the square of the hypotenuse, which is the side that's opposite the right angle. And again, a beautiful, elegant system. It To those who love numbers and play with numbers and geometry and shapes, it was an indication that the universe was orderly and based on law. And that was a breakthrough for humanity um, two or 3,000 years ago to really comprehend the evidence that the universe is by design and that numbers are this beautiful and, and, and elegant representation of the way the universe is designed. Well, seven is similarly magical in that you have three above and three below with one in the middle. So three and three plus one in the middle is seven. And so that's the relationship, simply said, of the seven to the three. And both of those numbers, threes and sevens, come up a lot in uh, the mystery traditions of the world. Again, the the philosophies, if you will, that are more esoteric, uh, more veiled, uh, more arcane than most religion. Religion, by its very nature, is designed for the masses, for fellowship and for worship. But uh, if you want to really study and spend more than uh, one hour a week um, looking at the ultimate energy aspect behind physical form, the spiritual or energy source behind all material, uh, all physical dense matter, then... uh, uh, you really have to take a look at this. And by the way, mator uh, is the Latin word for mother. So today being Mother's Day, let's remember that our physical dense universe is thought to be the mother, whereas the spiritual divinity, what religious people call God, is usually understood to have a father aspect. Not to say that God is absent a feminine gender, or a feminine aspect, um, God could not be less than all that is, or it wouldn't be much of a God. So God is mother too, but the idea that as spirit manifests the material world, father spirit manifests mother mater, madre, matter, um, it's, it's worth giving a thought on Mother's Day to the idea that the whole physical dense universe and everything that exists within it. Uh, and that includes the emotional and the mental as well. We'll talk today about the three lower worlds. And in the physical dense, there are three worlds or three planes. The material stuff itself, the physical etheric it's known as, and the substantial energy form behind physical dense. And then the other two worlds, of course, would be the emotional or astral plane and the lower mental plane. The higher mental plane is the plane of the soul, um, the buddhic plane, Christians called it heaven, uh, the home of the soul, the repository of all souls, that kind of thing. So have I confused you thoroughly already? Threes and sevens is where we're going to begin today. So... 
as they said in the newsletter, all religions have their trinity, their divine trinity, even though the Unitarians are given an argument about that. But the idea that there are extremes or a periphery or maybe best said polarities and then a middle, a kind of a magnetic field between what would otherwise look like opposite polarities. And that that trinity, we know in Christianity, those of us who live in the West and have been raised in Christian tradition, certainly the father, son, and the mother aspect, which uh, is usually called Holy Ghost by Catholics or Holy Spirit by Protestants. And whether you call it Father, Son, and Mother, or Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, because the church didn't want women involved in the church, understand the Father and Son are, I'm sorry, the Father and the Mother, the polarities of that trinity, the first and third elements of that trinity, correspond to spirit and matter. And you've heard me say before, that's really ultimately all we have. It was Einstein that put an equal sign uh, between the idea of energy and mass. Energy, spirit is an energy, and mass is matter, the material world. So E equals MC squared sort of proves. It's another way of talking about the ancient Egyptian concept of as above, so below. And there is a spiritual realm, and then there is a physical dense material realm. The Trinity, however, says there's a son, there's an offspring, a daughter, if you will, or a son, a progeny that lives in the heart, in the middle, between the father and son, at the at the interface or the intersection of spirit and matter. And that middle bit, that Christ or Buddha nature, is love. It corresponds to the soul and You'll remember, if you were raised as a Christian uh, or a Catholic, learning somewhere along the way that Christ was both the Son of God and the Son of Man, and referred to uh, several times as both the Son of God and yet the Son of Man, an attempt to qualify that middle position as being a little bit of both. Just as the magnetic field unifies the polarities of a bar magnet, so that there's no point on the bar magnet that escapes the influence of both polarities. No matter where you move on the bar magnet, you're influenced to some degree by both the North Pole and the South Pole. So wherever you are in terms of soul, you are both a son, a daughter, the offspring, the child of God and the child of man. You have a physical quality and you have a spiritual or an energy quality. And so we begin with the Trinity. The first three rays or the first three spirits, if you will, in this arcane and esoteric model of the seven spirits before the throne are this Trinity. Only they're described as will, love, and intelligent activity. Now, I'm going to come back and talk about 
Father, Son, Holy Spirit as will, love, and intelligent activity in a minute. So when we say, well, there's only one God and it's unified and whole, but it manifests as a trinity, the ancient and ageless seven ray or seven spirit system, much more veiled, hardly ever discussed among Christians, is a suggestion that the first three of those seven are primary, and that rays four, five, six, and seven are subsidiaries or attributes of those first three. So Father Spirit corresponds to divine will, or for that matter, purpose and power, you could say. Purpose, power, and divine will. Not your will, not your free will, but divine will. God has an intention or a purpose. That's first ray. We'll come back and talk about each of these in depth. And as I said before, we'll take your comments a little later in the program, and of course, we'll do a guided imagery exercise before we finish as well. Second ray, that which corresponds to the sun, is divine love. And again, the Christian is familiar with the passage in John that says very simply and directly, God is love. Well, that brings up, if God is will, as the father aspect, God is love manifested. This would be the son, right? S-O-N, the offspring of spirit and matter. And so love is a function, as are the other six rays, of the first ray, which is will. God wills love. And in the esoteric traditions, there are references to the will to love. First ray manifesting second ray. It's an important concept for most people think of love as something that we fall into. They think of the vast majority of people consider love, at least in the West, uh, as an emotion and nothing more. Uh, Don't really consider that or spend much time considering that spiritual love, a so-called higher heart, an immaculate heart, that love is usually capitalized and must have some meaning beyond emotional love. We're just not sure what it is. Well, will to love means you have to love people that you don't even like. You have to love people that are not friendly. You have to love people that are abusive to you. You have to love people that are trying to take advantage of you. You even have to love your enemy. Well, what does that mean? If I don't feel any emotional attraction, I'm going to have to pull on divine will, first ray, and pull on or access divine love, second ray. All right. Not to be confused with emotional love. Though both are magnetic, divine love is at a much higher, much more refined frequency and is in all things and in many ways the ultimate truth and the only truth in the universe is love. And then the third ray is intelligent activity and this corresponds to physical dense for the spirit that emanates as love incarnates in the physical world. So 
the idea of will, divine will, first ray, divine love, second ray, and that will and that love manifesting as intelligent activity in form, in physical dense, incarnated into the world, is another way of talking about Father, Son, Mother, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, or Spirit, Love, and Matter. And in that trinity, love is also understood to be awareness or consciousness. All right. Now, all religions have their trinities. The Jewish trinity, which is defined certainly in Kabbalah, is Kether, Kachma, and Bana, which corresponds to crown. The father aspect is, of course, the king or the crown. Um, and then understanding and knowledge. This comes real directly from the ancient Egyptian tradition. Remember, Moses was raised in Egypt of king, prince, and queen which is by name Osiris, the king, the crown. The prince is Horus, corresponding to Jesus the Christ, but thousands of years earlier. And Isis is the goddess, or the mother aspect, corresponding to the physical world. The So that's Christian, Jewish, Hermetic, uh, the Muslim in Islam, the Trinity is the beloved, corresponding to the Father God, the, the love aspect in the center again, and then the lover, who the Christian would call the sinner. All right. Same Trinity, beloved, love, lover, kether, kakma, bana, uh, crown, wisdom, understanding, uh, father, son, mother, father, son, Holy Spirit. See how it plays out? In Hinduism, it's Brahma, Vishnu, and Shiva, and the Buddhist contemplates the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. Um, again, it, it, you find it in all religions and all spiritual t- traditions. I mean, Buddhism, you can argue, is not really a religion at all, but rather a philosophy. And you'll find this trinity in Taoism and Shintoism and Zoroastrianism and and uh, all kinds of religious traditions, this number three. So let's look, as as our theme of the day is indicated, at the idea that this just might be the beginning, that that which is divine emanates primarily as three rays, but in full as seven rays. There's four more that are attributes of these first three. Now, before I go any further with this, let me point out that there are, it turns out, seven notes in a musical scale, three of which are necessary to make a full major or minor chord. The first, third, and the fifth note in any musical scale, if you get the key signature right, one, three, and five, that's a major chord. If you flat the third, you've got a minor chord. But three of those seven notes makes a full chord. And that's essentially what 
music, at least in the West, is built upon this chordal structure of music. Um, the third and the fifth being harmonics, or uh, notes that have a mathematical relationship with the primary note or the tonic note that is pleasing to the ear. We'll say it that simply. But you have the same situation with color, where the rainbow that begins with white light, broken by a prism, turns into be actually seven colors. Now you say, well, wait a minute, I, I bought a computer that's, they, they told me when I bought the computer that the screen had a resolution that would allow it to uh, produce millions of colors. Well, those are all variations of the basic seven that you see in any rainbow in the sky. We're fortunate enough to live up country in Maui here, and there's lots of rainbows here, sometimes double rainbows, sometimes moonbows, and there are seven basic colors in the rainbow. Uh, you might remember the Pink Floyd album with the, the dark side of the moon with the prism that breaks white light into seven different colors. But here again, while you have one white light that breaks into seven basic colors, three of those colors are primary. And in light, it's often red, blue, and green, but there can be other primary colors, just like there are other chords, other combinations of three notes of the seven. I mean, seven notes is really all you've got. Then you repeat. That whole long keyboard on the piano is seven notes and then seven more, and they're called octaves, right? Each a multiple uh, of the octave before it. Perfect multiple. One octave higher, double the frequency. If I want to play an A440 on the piano, I go up one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and that eighth note is also an A because it's exactly double the frequency, 880 cycles. Music is math, and color is math. And Pythagoras told us this 2,500 years ago. It's all numbers, it's all math, and it's all very cool. So whether we're talking about light or sound, there are seven basic frequencies, three of which are primary. So to find out that from ageless wisdom, from times before we understood physics, from times before we knew that white light could be broken into seven colors, although I guess there was there were, there have always been rainbows to look at, <clears throat> before we understood the musical scale and what a major chord was and what a minor chord and diminished and augmented and all of that, the ancients had this nailed down. They knew that the one God, the one absolute thing, the one life, manifested primarily as a trinity, as three, but that there were, in fact, seven emanations, seven notes, seven colors, seven rivers of light, seven streams of consciousness, three of which were primary, and then four, five, six, and seven being attributes of the first three. Well, 
the talk as we've just done about the Trinity and the three-legged stool and the triangle and Pythagoras and the hypotenuse and all of that is is pretty far out. I mean, this is the bulk of what I have to tell you today. And to encourage you, hopefully, whether you're an agnostic or an atheist or a mystic or a religious person, uh, to zoom out a little bit and get the bigger picture here, there's uh, much when we're first exposed to anything new that we see about how this religion is different from that religion, different from this philosophy, different from this folk wisdom or way of thinking. But the more you study it, the more likely you are to see what these systems have in common. And that's the pull for the mystic. That's what's attractive about mystery schools, is that we can go beyond what divides us to what unites us in observation. And although this is, I understand, a little esoteric, or you might say very esoteric, very veiled and very arcane and really hard to understand, what are you talking about, Michael? I've never heard about any of this. Well, that's the point, right? Uh, pursue your, your religion uh, if you have one, but go beyond to the deeper philosophies that that unify you you then go past what keeps us apart and what makes us all separate all these religions saying that only their religion is the one right way to god and all the others are false i mean somebody's wrong <laughs> and they might all be wrong if you are willing to go a little bit further into the study you'll begin to see the links and this trinity leading to the seven rays is a great entry point, frankly, um, for understanding this a little better. Now, even those of you who are listening live on the web, if you know how to open another window in your browser or another tab in your browser, whatever browser you're using, uh, you can do that without leaving this website. So even while you're listening to me, if you know how to open another window or another tab, usually it's just a matter of going to the very top bar, the very top line on your browser, and you'll see under File, let me click on it, the first, I'm using Firefox, and the first two choices under File are New Window and New Tab. And if you hit one or the other of those, you'll get either a new window or a new tab that you can use to go to my website, and you can follow along with me at this point. I want to show you a couple of things. I just don't, if you're not sure how to do that, or if that doesn't make sense to you, um, you'll lose the feed. So don't click off of this site. Open an additional tab or an additional window by going to that File button. That will create a drop-down menu. Another thing that may work for you is Control-N for a new window or Control-T for a new tab. So if you feel like trying that out, then uh, when you get the new window or the new tab, uh, enter the website theagelesswisdom.com. The W's dot theagelesswisdom.com. And that will take you to my website. 
And when you get there, click on the home page to go inside. And then on the left side, you'll see all, a whole bunch of links. It'll say Michael Benner podcast, focused passion, counseling and training. There's a link for radio and go all the way down to wisdom nuggets. It's like, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. That's the tenth link down. Wisdom Nuggets. And click on Wisdom Nuggets over there on the left side. And that'll open up a page full of articles. A page that's headed Wisdom Nuggets. And if you look down the page a little bit, there's two columns of article titles. And if you look on the left column, the first column, um, just a little ways down, it's probably in the middle of the page if you don't scroll. Um, you might have to scroll a little depending on how your browser is set up. You're looking for a link that says the seven rays. You'll find a section that says the seven kingdoms, the seven laws of life, the seven chakras, and then the seven rays. And that's what I want you to click on. You don't have to if you're listening on the telephone and you're not near a computer, that's fine. And uh, if you don't know how to open a new window or a tab, that's fine too. You don't have to do this. But if you'd like to follow it along, that's what you do. The www.theagelesswisdom.com Click on Homepage to go inside. On the left, where all the links are for navigation, click on Wisdom Nuggets. And when that page opens up, in the left-hand column, there's just two columns of article titles. Click on the seven rays. And a page will open up. And at the top, it will say the seven rays of divinity. And you'll see, sure enough, a uh, <laughs> that graphic from the Pink Floyd album with the white light bending through the prism and creating the rainbow. Well, this is the idea that first ray creates all seven. Right? Just this white light contains all colors. Um, the basic colors being seven, the primary colors being three of the seven. And here at the top, you'll see a couple of quotes, one from Revelation, one of the Four instances in Revelation that refer to the seven spirits, and it's a greeting. It says, Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. That's the eternal and timeless nature of divinity. And from the seven spirits who are before the throne. Revelation 1 4, chapter 1, verse 4. And below that is a quotation from a saint. Um, I'm not sure how it's pronounced. It could be Beatus or Beatus of Lung, Lungen, Lungern. St. Beatus of Lungern. That's my best guess. And uh, I think he goes back to like the 4th or 5th century. But he says the spirit is one in name but sevenfold in virtues. Another reference to the seven spirits before the throne. And then uh, below the graphic in those quotes are brief little synopses of the seven rays, which I'm going to read. Um, 
And again, if you're on the website with me, you can read along. If you're not able to do that because you're listening by phone or whatever, um, that's fine too. I'll read them and then we'll discuss. Now, again, you, you might say to yourself, well, what's the point of this? Like, do I really need to know how the engine works to run a car? Well, no. Do I need to know how the microwave operates to reheat my coffee? Uh, well, of course not. But uh, there are those who want to know how the car works and what's under the hood, and they find it rewarding. And uh, so it is with this. What would be the value of understanding that beyond the Trinity, beyond the fact that the the, the singular divinity, the white light, the one manifests primarily as a trinity. What, why do we care that there's also rays four, five, six, and seven? What's the point? Well, a mystic or an occultist is a magician. There's somebody, they are a woman or a man who seeks to appropriate these particular frequencies uh, to access just like turning the channel on the TV to access the information on each of these rays to pull on this particular frequency through the vehicle that is conscious intelligence and either manifest form for the greater good of all concerned or, and sometimes both, refine form that's already uh Manifested to uplift, for example, the way we do conflict resolution from war to diplomacy. That might be a good example, right? Or to uplift fear to love, to comfort somebody. And say, well, I know how to do that. That's all about love. Well, yeah, but this breaks it down. This parses it a little bit further. And I just want you to know it's out there so that if you ever come across the phrase seven spirits before the throne, you'll have a sense of what that was about or what it is about, and you'll be able to return to this page, but also do Google searches and your own research to better understand how to ask for what you want, how to focus a particular meditation to be receptive to a color, uh, a tone, uh, a frequency of information that helps you to be the best magician, um, the best Christ Buddha uh, that you can be when it comes to manifesting loving kindness and compassion, manifesting forms, states and conditions and relationships and yeah, even material objects that are for the greater good of all concerned. And refining or improving, new and improved edition, those forms that already exist. Even something as basically as basic as a as a family unit. And by the way, happy Mother's Day. I said that before we started the recorder, but happy Mother's Day too. Remember mother is mater, madre. The material world is the mother. And so happy Mother's Day in that esoteric way as well okay i hope uh, i hope i'm making sense and uh if not take take from this whatever you can and leave the rest that's fine it's uh 
uh, knowledge never hurts. It always has uh, some value. And I think the more you understand the idea that out of one comes seven, just like out of all potential music come just seven notes. All music is based on seven notes. You've got sharps and flats. You've got other octaves. But seven, that's it. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. There is no note called H or I or J or K. You start over at A after G, right? And seven is all you've got. Seven colors, all you got. Three of which are primary. Three of those notes will make a full chord. Three of those colors allows you to make millions of other colors. All right? And so we're saying before anybody really understood color and color theory and sound and the relationship to math and numbers, ancients were talking about the seven spirits before the throne, three of which were primary, hence the divine trinity that we see in all religions. So, let's take a look at ray one. Again, all things come out of first ray. Oh, and before we... There, one more thing. One more thing. Before we even get into this. Since you are a spiritual being in a physical body, you are made up of all seven rays but in a unique combination. Nobody has your precise ray makeup. There is in theosophy and certain other philosophies um, a, a really in-depth study where they talk about your particular ray makeup as a soul in form but they also talk about the ray makeup of your mental nature and a ray makeup of your emotional astral nature and your ray makeup as a physical etheric being and even something called the integrated ray makeup of the persona which unifies those three as well as the ray makeup of your oversoul. So there's plenty to study here. <laughs> if, you, if you like this stuff and you want to go farther into the material, there's plenty available. A little Google search and you'll be amazed, especially in the field of theosophy. The Blavatsky material, Ledbetter, Besant, Alice Bailey, and and others, even the Rudolf Steiner and, and Anthroposophy and and Krishnamurti and those guys that sort of spun off from theosophy make reference to this material. I'm going to keep it simple, however, and just talk about the basic seven rays as if we're talking about your soul, your eternal and infinite self, incarnated perhaps once, perhaps many hundreds or thousands of times, depending on your belief system, okay? Actually, it doesn't depend on your belief system, but you know what I mean. And the ray makeup of the soul is unique, keeping in mind as we begin here that all seven, just as all seven colors come from white light, all seven rays come from the 
one Godhead. All right. And so when we begin to look at first ray, which corresponds to white light, this is really everything. Everything comes out of first ray. And what you'll see on the page in front of you, if you've gone to my website, short paragraph, I'll read it for the telephone people. This energy is the beginning and the final synthesis, the source of all other energies. It is the essence of power and energy itself. The first ray is the force of purpose, direction, centralization, and oneness, of which the will is the keynote. It is characterized by the qualities of intensity, dynamism, quickness, and dominance. It often results in detachment, isolation, and crystallization. By the way, the use of the word detachment there is really meaning dissociation. This is not mindful detachment. This is losing track of your connection. Not the best use of that word there. Isolation and crystallization. And out of its force and directness is conceived the power of creative destruction. Creative destruction is an interesting concept. Let me begin with that. This is in Hinduism, the goddess Kali, or in the Greco-Roman pantheon, this is Medusa, the woman with the snake in her hair or hair made out of a bundle of snakes. The idea that creation includes destruction is an ancient idea, uh, we would say pagan in Western civilization, for they looked at the seasons and they saw that in order for there to be a spring in the summer, in order for there to be a new life every year, there had to be some sort of death or neo-death quasi-death, if you will, in the autumn and the winter, right? Where the trees seem to die and lose their leaves and and the flowers wither and die and so on and so forth. But destruction is not really a very good word. I think the best word I've ever found for this um, process that leads to new life and new birth and a new year, springtime, new life, that's a great way to say it, is disillusion, uh, as in dissolving. All right, so the first ray is the, the ray of dissolving as well as the ray of creation in the sense that dissolving, just like you put a, a powder into water and twirl the water around and the powder dissolves into the water and becomes part of the water and it's the opposite of a precipitate falling out of the water that's dis, uh, dissolving or dissolution and a better word I think than destruction but that's what first ray is it's, it's a spring but it's also a fall it's summer but it's also winter and all things come from first ray now, simply said, think of first ray, which again corresponds to the father aspect in Christianity, the crown in Judaism, the beloved in Islam, the king in Egyptian hermetic philosophy. First ray is purpose, power, and will. 
again, not your willpower, but divine will power. Okay? Divine will. You'll hear religious people talking about, well, if it's God's will, so be it. You know? Almost like fate or predestination is the will of God. God determines that this is going to be so. Here it's understood a little differently. In the esoteric and mystical traditions of the world, you as a disciple have a responsibility to discern for yourself, from your particular point of view, what is God's will, what does the universe want you to do, to be on its overall purpose, which is to grow, to heal, to improve, to redeem, to get better to complete the cycle, to go all the way around the great Mandela. All right? So the power of God, so-called, the purpose of the absolute is divine will, and that's first ray. Okay? Corresponding to the first aspect of all these trinities we've already discussed. And again, all things flow from that. Right? Second ray second ray, here's a paragraph consciousness consciousness is second ray consciousness is born of this second energy in the union of duality spirit and matter this is the source and the blending of light and love of magnetism and relationship uh, can't you feel how love is magnetic of inclusiveness and coherence, all right, uh, this is what we can say about love, that it emanates or radiates, that it is magnetic and attractive in that way. That's where relationships come from. But it's also coherence. It's sort of sticky. It's what binds the universe together. Continuing with our paragraph here on the website, it is the way of wisdom of sensitivity and intuition, as well as clarity and attention to detail. This energy is a qualifying teaching and healing force. It often results in attachment and attraction and curiously establishes our awareness of fear. For fear is the antithesis or the absence of love and relationship meaning not only your relationship to people that you love and animals you love and plants and flowers that you love, but the life that you love. Okay. And second ray is the energy of the entire solar system, and hence it is also the ray of profound synthesis. In other words, first and third ray, this is Hegel's dialectic, where the first and the third are seen as... Uh, the spirit and the matter, or the thesis and the antithesis, the antithesis, this thing and its opposite, and then they come together, one and three come together and create a two, which is the synthesis in the middle, right two. And that's consciousness and divine love. It is also wisdom. And it corresponds to truth. So when it's said in the Christian Gospel of John that God is love, it's true. It's God's will, first ray, that causes second ray to be available as divine love, as truth, 
as wisdom, as consciousness. Hindus often make the distinction between awareness and consciousness, that awareness corresponds to the Godhead or the highest of frequencies, where consciousness is, I don't want to say separated, but awareness from a unique point of view. Consciousness is awareness from a unique point of view. So the soul is God from a particular angle. And, and when you consider that you are more than your physical body, and you've noticed, I'm sure, your physical body is changing. So clearly there has to be something unchanging that is true behind or above all of that something eternal and infinite that lasts, that is directing the changing of the appearance of physical events, that would be your soul, your energy body, if you will, uh, the spiritual essence of who you really are. That's love. That's truth. That's the source of wisdom. Okay? And that, like all, all, all seven rays, comes from first ray. Okay? the will to love, second ray. And of course, Horus in the Egyptian model, Christ in the uh, Christian model, uh, wisdom in the Kabbalah, um, these all correspond to love, to the heart, to the center of the Trinity. Okay. And then let's look at third ray, and we'll touch briefly on four, five, and six before we go to your questions. Third ray is activity and intelligence work out from this source, from third ray. This is active intelligence. In other words, this is rays one and two incarnating in the form, into the physical dense world, what most people think of as reality, and working out divine intelligence through activity in the world. So third ray is called intelligent activity. And the paragraph we have here on the webpage is, activity and intelligence work out from this source, a result of purpose and wisdom, raise one and two. It is the energy of full and great manipulations, creativity, and adaptability. Needs are recognized through this force, third ray. Plans are formulated. Material is selected. And business is undertaken. This third, this is where we get things done, right? This third ray is clear, inherent. Um, let me say this with the right, let me say this properly. The third ray is clear, inherent mental and intellectual ideation in pursuit of truth with the objective of manifesting in matter and substance. It is the power that evolves form. So there is your big three. There is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit described as, I'll bet, you've never heard it described before. Father aspect being divine will, purpose, power, all capitalized, all divine. Not your will, your purpose, or your power. Okay, Not merely that. And then second ray is divine love, wisdom, truth. 
This is the Buddha nature. This is the Christos. This is Horus. This is the the son or the offspring of spirit and matter. And then third ray corresponds to matter, the mother, the mater, the physical dense. Um, again, Christians call it Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost only because um, the, the Protestants followed what the Catholics had done in the first 1,400 years of the church and uh, just wanted women out of the equation altogether, you know. You can see discrimination against women, not only in Islam, uh, but also, you know, the Sharia law, but also in um, Judaism and Christianity, all three monotheistic religions in the West. Uh, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam all have a strong bias uh, against women. Right. It's interesting in the way it manifests uh, one way that men in the West, uh, Christian men, hate women is they objectify them like in a beauty pageant. And they strip them down to the, the barest, minimal bits of cloth and objectify the women as sex objects. And, of course, in uh, Sharia law, in Islam, they go the other way. They cover them up completely, so the only thing that shows is their eyes. And uh, in the most severe cases... And, more moderate cases, as long as the hair is covered, as if it's just bizarre. It's just so bizarre. If we understood that it's not about women as gender, it's about polarity, about matter, matter, the material world being the reflection or the manifestation of spirit. You know, and the fact that that the ancients tried to demonstrate these polarities by saying, well, you know, spirit and matter is sort of like spirit causes matter and matter is receptive to spirit or the reflection. So that's sort of like male and female in nature. And so God was made a man and, and nature was made into a woman, mother nature and, and God in heaven. But they don't take that literally. You know, God is not a man. How could God be less than all that is? That's part of what's so silly about these old religions and why they need updating. So there you're introduced to the first three rays. Now, you can come back to this and look at rays four, five, six, and seven if you'd like. Keep in mind, as you read them, and I'll tell you the short title without reading each of these paragraphs now, that they are attributes of the first three in this way. As I've already said, all seven rays come from the first ray. But ray number four and number six, as we go beyond the first three, rays four and six, the even-numbered rays, are both attributes of love, number two. So all the even numbers are love, two, four, and six are all some form of love. Ray 4 is especially important because it's in the middle of the 7, 3 above and 3 below. Ray 4 is called harmony through conflict. And this is the secret of redemption and resurrection. This is, um, I think, probably one of the easiest ways to describe fourth ray is this would be 
um, a ray of harmony that you, again, an attribute of love, harmony, that you pull upon or access whenever there is conflict. And what fourth ray does is allow you to have to, let's see, how can I say this? It allows you to avoid adjudicating, as happens in a court of law, who's right and who's wrong, and instead creating harmony by finding what part of this argument is right and what part of the seemingly opposing argument is also right and saving or redeeming the relative merit or relative truth in all arguments and leaving behind the rest. Harmony through conflict. This is water in the wine. This is lead into gold. This is the prostitute becoming the virgin. This is living life backwards. This is uh, the, the many, many allegories for this resurrection, this ascension, this, well, atonement is a good word for it. If you say it right, at-one-ment. Atonement is at-one-ment. It's the process of becoming one again, becoming whole again. That's what fourth ray is about. It's harmony. It's we disagree, but we're not opposites. And so if I acknowledge some merit that I've seen in your argument, even though I still essentially disagree with you, and you do the same thing, find some relative value or truth in what I'm saying, and acknowledge that, then maybe we can create a synthesis out of this, right? And so second ray and fourth ray, and to some extent sixth ray, which is also an attribute of love, uh, called devotion. So second ray being love, truth, wisdom. Fourth ray being harmony, as I've just described. Sixth ray is devotion. And devotion can be a beautiful thing, or devotion can be a fanatical thing, like... Um, you know, a religious zealot that wants to kill everybody that is of a different religion. Uh, that's six-ray run amok. Or the Little League dad that goes out and and uh, beats up another Little League kid's father. <laughs> you, you hear these things going on, you know. It's like, hey, it's just a Little League game after all, but they're so devoted to the kids and so devoted to creating a winning experience for their child that here are two dads in the stands uh, duking it out. So devotion can be an overboard thing. Uh, and much militarism, the patriotism, the nationalism, the jingoism, uh, school spirit run amok. When you start getting destructive, uh, that's when devotion goes too far. The polarity flips, so to speak. And then five and seven would be attributes of one and three, right? All the odd numbers go together. Five is science and technology. And five is a divine ray that you pull upon when you want to understand, investigate, make tools, um, explore the laws of the physical world. You would pull upon fifth ray. In your meditation, you just form an intention to align 
with fifth ray, and it becomes available to you. Okay, Just like you can walk into a party, stand anywhere in the room, and simply by shifting your attention, not even moving physically around the, move, the room, just shifting your attention, you can listen to this conversation to the exclusion of all others or eavesdrop on this conversation over here to the exclusion of all others. Um, we have that selective consciousness. In that same way, when you meditate, you can pull on first ray. You can pull on all of the rays through first ray, or you can focus on love or any of these others, depending on your intention or reason or purpose in this particular meditation. So fifth ray is science and technology. Sixth ray, we already said, is devotion. And then seventh ray is called divine law and order. And this is the other end of first ray. This is where first ray touches down as an orderly universe, as um, divine law, as the manifestation of real magic the manifestation of an idea or an ideal in form. Okay, The last of the seven, the most tangible um, in terms of expressing in the physical dense plane. So there's a little exposure to the seven rays. Uh, you go to Amazon, you'll find entire books devoted to the seven ray system. It gets deep, it gets pithy, it gets complex. It's not for everybody. It's way too much for most people. Even the mystery of the Trinity, one, two, three, is too much for most people. And again, that's why these are esoteric traditions. The, 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 the word esoteric means for the few. Uh, exoteric is for the many. And most people don't have the time. They don't care. They don't have the intention. Maybe you do. Maybe you don't. I'm figuring if you're here with us today, in fact, at this point, if you're still with us, <laughs> you must have some kind of interest in this uh, really mystical and mysterious system of divinity expressing in these seven colors, if you will, these seven different frequencies. So let's go back to the uh, – I'm going back to the uh, home page here so that I can see your questions and your comments. And uh, if you have any question about the seven rays or the trinity, um, type them on the bottom of the page now. Unless you're doing a replay, of course, no point in doing it if you're listening to a replay. But if you're live with us today on the 10th of May, 2009, and you're listening to me live, you can do that now. Go to the bottom of the page and put in your question, your comment, or just say hi. And let me have a name and a city where you are so I can say hi back to you. And, um, you know, one day I'd like to build the participation after a few more months of this class to the point that you can question each other and maybe we could even open up the telephones. Uh, it's challenging there are ways to do it. I can't just open up the phones now because it's way too noisy. You know, one crying baby, one barking dog, one scratchy telephone line, and everybody hears it. So the callers are muted out 
but in the future, I'd, I, I can think of a couple of different ways we could have live telephone calls. Um, I'd have to use a screener, essentially, is how it would work. But I could do that, and uh, we can do it here, too. You can question each other. If you hear me read somebody's question, and I give a response, or I respond to a comment, you can do the same thing, respond to that comment. And, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be just about me here. So, let's see who's online on this uh, Mother's Day. I presume it looks like the attendance is a little on the low side, probably because it is Mother's Day today, but also maybe because we're um, doing such a esoteric concept as the seven rays. But uh, Carolyn Habra is on, and she says hello, Michael from Habra, And she always says hi to Doreen, too. And Robert Fiegel in Irvine, California, is with us today. He says uh, aloha, Michael. Awesome class. Uh, speaking of Pink Floyd, he says, I think of the movie The Wall uh, really says it all. Have a magical week. You know, I never saw the movie The Wall. So that's something that... Uh, I'd have to check out. I certainly know the album and the soundtrack, so to speak, the music, but if never saw the film, we'll check that out. Well, we have a lot more than two of you online. I can see that, and I'm not sure how many are on the telephone, but um, those are the only people saying hi at this point. So um, no questions, no comments. We'll just do a short visualization. And then we'll call it a day and let you all get back to your families and, and your Sunday. So, if this is a good time for you, get comfortable and relaxed and pump up the pillows a little bit. And uh, sit back, relax, close your eyes and take a nice, slow, deep breath. And as you exhale, uh, create and sense a letting go feeling. From the top of your head to the soles of your feet, feel the letting go. And take a second, a third, maybe a fourth, nice, slow, big, deep breath, really slow. See if you can go to six or seven seconds on the inhale. and Six or seven, nice, slow seconds on the exhale. If you're a beginner at this, four is pretty good. <laughs> If you've been doing it a while, you ought to be able to count to 8 or 10. It's a good sign of stress. If you can only last 4 seconds on the inhale or 4 seconds on the exhale, practicing slow, deep breathing and yoga will help you a lot. When you get up to 8 or 10 seconds, that's really feeling safe. And after that, just allow your breathing to find a natural rhythm and allow your body to breathe itself. And feel centered and balanced as if your head, like a, like a seal in the circus balancing a beach ball on its nose. Imagine your head balanced on your neck and shoulders so that your whole frame is balanced and centered 
and it takes no effort at all to sit such that you can become even more relaxed. And any time you wish, you can take another slow, deep breath or two. And as you exhale that big breath, uh, feel a little more tension falling away, telling yourself you're really safe. And then as you're breathing, falls to its natural and normal rhythm. Begin to visualize in your mind's eye to dream up an image of a beautiful place of peace. A place where you're happy and safe, carefree, safe and relaxed, feeling really, really really good about yourself, as if time stands still. And visualize. My, my voice will guide you. You can wander through the woods or through the sunny meadows. You can imagine yourself high in a mountain or deep in a valley or maybe on the beach. But you're far from the roads and the parking lot. You're far away from other people, farther still from the cities. And allowing my voice to guide you, hear birds singing, hear the wind in the tops of the tallest trees. Imagine coming upon a little stream and hearing the sound of water tumbling on the rocks, splashing. And that'd be a good place to sit next to that stream. Or maybe under a shade tree or maybe out in an open sunny meadow full of wildflowers and feeling the warmth of the sun. Not, not, not too hot, just right. Whatever encourages you to feel relaxed. And rooted into the earth, as if you could imagine how a tree would feel to have roots that reached deep into the earth. Even a single blade of grass must enjoy feeling the connection to the common ground. And you feel that same thing now. Feel yourself rooted into the earth. And at the very top of your head, connected to the sky, as if you're like a battery. As if you're like this middle element between spirit and matter, between the sky and the ground. like a battery hooked up so that it gets recharged and revitalized and restored. Receptive to above, yet rooted into the earth. And the feeling you're making all this up and just pretending is exactly right. If at any time you find yourself distracted 
by your mind or your emotional nature. Look at it, acknowledge it, let it go. Promise to return later. Just let it go and put your attention back on my voice, sitting upon the earth in this beautiful, beautiful place, connected to both earth and at the top of your head, the sky above you. It's of a laser beam is coming down and gently filling you with spiritual energy. Now, I'd like you to imagine that that laser beam has seven channels or seven frequencies, seven colors or seven notes. And to just hook up, to just consider that you are the middle element, the soul, if you will, the heart, the consciousness between spirit and matter, between father and mother, that you are the son or daughter, the son and daughter, of the most infinite, the most high. That you have your own free will. You've been given a gift that no other kingdom has. You could argue that animals have free will, but it's practiced mostly as herd instinct or group mind. But you can reflect upon your thoughts. You have a second level of thinking. And so you could choose to align your will with divine will. And so imagine for a moment that that laser beam coming down from the sky is white and contains all the other colors. And that in so doing, simply by forming the intention to sit receptive to divine will that you bring in you become aware through your intuition of what is let's say the right thing for you to do in any given situation and that you further know the right way to go about doing it Because as you sit here, passively, receptively, imagining first-ray divine will is flowing into you at the very top of your head, you also have a better sense of who you are, why you're here, and what you're for. There are times in our lives many, many times when we want to pull on second ray divine love. In which case, and there are many color systems, different systems say different colors correspond with love, so I'll let you decide. Whatever color you believe corresponds with second ray, 
the Christ, the Christos, the Buddha nature, the soul above and free of form, whatever occurs to you. Imagine that that laser beam coming down from the sky into the top of your head becomes that color, signifying second ray, the son of God, the daughter of God, the the offspring of spirit reflected in matter, divine love as truth, as wisdom, as consciousness. Such that anytime you need more love in your life, more truth, more wisdom, more understanding. You simply form the intention once you've hooked up to channel second ray to draw upon divine love. The third way is intelligent activity. This would be for those problems where you ask, you know, help me find a way. Give me the intelligence to find the proper activities, to find the right tools and techniques to manifest my intelligence in building form in the world. in creating circumstances and events, relationships and even objects, stuff that serve the first two rays of divine will and divine love through third ray, intelligent activity. These are the primary three. Remember, by pulling on first ray, you actually access all seven. That the ageless wisdom teachings from time out of mind in all cultures and all societies have similar systems. These are not mine. And then, of course, the idea that you are a unique combination as soul of all seven rays. And that you can use a meditation like this to pull upon the first ray and the first three and all seven as a way of better understanding yourself and your mission, your reason for being here, your calling, if you will, And in this way, you may wish to branch out to raise four, five, six, and seven to four as harmony. If you're a peacemaker, a mediator, one who thinks we ought to be able to all get along and find some degree of truth in every position, some degree of merit or value, no matter how extreme an individual may be, 
any time you wish to play the role of mediator, to bring harmony into conflict, pull on that attribute of second-ray love that is fourth-ray harmony. Fifth-ray science and technology simply form the intention to be scientific in your thinking, to understand technology, to fashion the right tools and techniques. Sixth-ray, again, devotion, dedication, commitment. Give it your all. Just keep it positive and loving and balanced. Avoid the peripheries, the pillars, the outer pillars, the extremes of things. Love your high school. Root for your alma mater. You know, support the home team. But do it without hating the opposition. <laughs> You can love America without hating its enemies or seeing enemies anywhere. What if our response to 9-11 was to bomb Afghanistan with bread and books? Look, look, look for that day when bombers will drop food and books. Sixth-ray devotion, seventh-ray law and order. Imagine an orderly world built upon kindness and love and respect for each other. Especially people you don't like. Especially those who rub you the wrong way or try to pick fights with you. Have compassion for them. They suffer more than you. See an orderly world. And know that these seven frequencies, the primary three and the four subsidiary rays, are available to you when you sit quietly in meditation as a receptive state and choose to pull upon these particular frequencies, these notes, these colors, these streams of knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. Tell yourself this will be easy to practice and fun to explore. And any time you've got an extra three minutes or ten minutes or twenty minutes, you can add this to your meditation and contemplation skills. The seven rays, the seven spirits, the seven virtues before the throne. First ray, will, purpose, and power. Second ray, divine love. Third, intelligent activity. The manifestation of divine will and divine love. And the attributes, four, five, six, and seven, harmony, science and technology, devotion, divine law and order and ceremony. 
Now, in the moment, I'm going to ask you to open your eyes, wide awake and alert, back in the room, feeling great, refreshed, uh, refreshed, and and uh, all revitalized and, and energized. So reorient yourself to the sound of my voice. Remember where you are and what you'll see in the room around you when you open your eyes and inhale slowly, fill your lungs. Hold as you peek, and now as you exhale, uh, open your eyes, wide awake, alert, rested, refreshed, feeling fine, back in the room with a full memory of the seven rays and a whole new approach at the oneness of all things, the one life, the one God, and the primary manifestations, will, love, and intelligent activity and the four attributes, the seven rays. Hope you've enjoyed this. I also want to say hi to uh, Bert in Honolulu and Lorelei in Tucson who uh, have added their comments and hope to see you next week. Watch for the newsletter. Forward it to your friends. And when you visit our archives at theagelesswisdom.com, use the send one to a friend. Also, be sure and visit focusedpassion.com Listen to those programs with the built-in player. If you're not a subscriber or contributor, just push the button that says, send me the free stuff, and you'll get six programs absolutely free that you can listen to right there on the site, or you can send them to your iTunes uh, software on your computer in the podcast folder or use the RSS reader. But as I say, just... There's a built-in player on the site. makes it easy. Check out the Family Learning Hour, too. Uh, however old you are, you are a student. And to have these skills, uh, they're all free. Give them away. Use the Send One to a Friend link over there at FocusedPassion.com and pass it on. Okay, life's like a relay race in that regard. Thanks for listening. I appreciate you being here. Happy Mother's Day to Mother Earth and to your mother and to you.